Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing? Uh, an exciting calcio weekend to say the least and it's continuing on in Champions League so far. It's It was a, it was an exceptional calcio weekend and uh, uh, you know Champions League is off to maybe a bit of a lukewarm start as far as Serie A is concerned. Uh, but we will uh, have a chance to have a conversation about all of those things. Uh, 37 goals uh, in uh, Serie A this weekend. This is not your father's Serie A. And uh, teams like Cagliari, Udinese, and Empoli, uh, well, they just didn't get the memo. Uh, <laughs> Verona, Hellas Verona. Bologna tried. They, they just tried. didn't score. They tried. Um, so, uh, you know, so 37 goals scored by 15 of the teams. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's a pretty impressive clip. Uh, yeah. Well done uh, to our uh, City I teams across the board for getting and for really giving us a lot of goal of the week candidates too. Yeah. Um, so there's much to talk about with that. So I don't know how you feel from this weekend because you probably saw the derby at least and probably the Lazio Juventus game live. I did not because I was traveling all day Saturday. I didn't get home till like midnight on Saturday, so I missed all the games on Saturday, and so. I already knew the score lines, and so I got to watch all those games kind of like calm and relax and just kind of analyze the games as they happen, as opposed to if I had watched the games, I probably would have been breaking shit all left and right because uh, it was not a pretty sight if you're a, a red and black fan. You're a very smart man. You went, uh, you, you chose the the calmness and the serenity of nature with your with your, with your your sons, yeah. uh, and and you weren't bothered like the bothered. rest of us, Milanisti. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's right. Uh, I, I, I actually turned it off after the penalty. So, um, uh, Roma, Roma got a touchdown this weekend. So they're in the NFL spirit. It's yeah. like, right. So good stuff. This yeah. Week. Why Lots not? We got, uh, we got the chat populating. Anthony is always is in the house. Barrett's in the house. Amazing. Vincent and Eduardo <laughs> Hernandez. Hello. If you guys are watching this live, please drop a note in the chat. If you're watching us here on the YouTube channel for the first time, uh, please drop a like. Um, it only takes you two seconds to do. Um, and also subscribe to our channel because uh, we do this just about every Tuesday night. We sometimes have to deviate because we do have families at home uh, that we have to tend to. So, uh, But uh, we're glad you're all with us to uh, break down match week four um, and also to uh, talk a little European football this week. And we'll round it out with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. We're still calling it Who Won Calcio Twitter. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just calcio related in general on any platform, but yeah, you know, Twitter, why not? It's uh, yep. it's not gonna be the X, it's not gonna who won calcio X, we're not doing that, yeah, so. yeah, it's kind of that doesn't sound the same, no. Um, when you've, when you've done it one way for so long, it's really hard to uh, you know, really change uh, what you call it, so I'd make um, a dirty comment now, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold back on that, uh, but uh, Eduardo, I, I see you in the that. chat. Eduardo, I see. What's that? I see. I see Eduardo in the chat with the uh, sup guys. High five to y'all. Pun intended. This Milan is not good. Um, (laughs) Lol. 
We'll We're going to talk about that a little bit. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do have some things to say as far as uh, Milan's performance in the Derby. And then I also have some things to say about their performance today in the Champions League against uh, against Newcastle. So we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, but Richard, let's get into this Derby. Um, Derby della Madonina, one-sided. Dominated by Inter, 5-1 the final. Uh, it was Jan Sommer in goal. Inter's lineup, their, their traditional 3-5-2, what we've come to know. Yeah. Sommer in goal, uh, Darmian, Acerbi, Bastoni, uh, Dumfries, Barella, Chalhanolu, Mkhitaryan, and Di Marco. And then it was Turam and Martinez up front. Uh, Milan with their 4-3-3, Maignan, Calabria on the right, Chiar and Tiao in the middle, Teo Hernandez on the left. Uh, Reinders, Krunich, and Loftus-Cheek with Leo, Giroud, and Pulisic. So not a whole lot of surprises. No. Uh, pretty much forced into the lineup with the Vic Tamori suspension and the Kalulu injury. Uh, and he and Chow partnering a center back pairing for the first – I believe this was the first time they had to partner together as a center back pairing uh, since Chow joined. Uh Not a good opponent to have to try this uh, combination. No, no, no not at all. And if you guys were listening to us last week, we told you what the warning signs were going to be for Milan against Inter, and uh, they were clear and present from start to finish, and it didn't take long in the fourth minute. Henrik Mkhitaryan uh, putting Inter up by a goal to nil. Um, third, and then in the Milan, to their credit, I thought we were starting to carve out some chances. Tao nearly made it 1-1. Um, you know, they started to have a little bit more of the ball. They started to grow into the game. And then at the 38th minute, just that wonder goal by, by Marcus Turam, it's my goal of the week, um, which effectively ended this derby right there on 38 minutes. The Milans are trying, you know, they're playing for the equalizer. I mean, this is exactly the way Inter wanted, wanted this to happen, Richard. I mean, and, and it suits how they really want to play. They can go out and get that early one, and now they can say, you get the ball. We'll counter. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna start. You're gonna start bringing some numbers forward. You're gonna start trying to get some possession. And just when you think you're carving some things and getting comfortable, and you're crawling your way back into the game, boom, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take your soul from you. And I think that that's really what happened on that second goal. But I mean, this this script played perfectly for the way Inter want, want, wants to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we want to call this a Derby della Madonina, but you can call it a Distrazione di Milano because uh, Milan got destroyed in this game. And yeah, I mean, we saw four counterattack goals in this in this game by Inter, but I mean, the, the way it started off, obviously, Mkhitaryan, we told you Mkhitaryan was going to start the game. He was going to be a danger man with the running, with the late runners, and he got the first goal in the game there. Um, obviously, a wonderful play by Taram to kind of set the whole thing up. And then Taram coming back with a freaking wonder goal. A guy who you know, Inter Interisi have embraced from the beginning just because he brings such a dynamic aspect to the team that they haven't had really in a long time. Uh, and so he fits in so nicely. Gulatara Martinez, who is just you know a phenomenal striker himself. And um, yeah, when it went 2 nothing there, I'm like, okay, well, there's game, set, match there. How bad is it going to get? Uh, we, we, we would see how bad it got, though. But to Milan's credit, they kept battling. They came out in the second half. They were, um, they were starting to uh, establish some possession again. They were trying to carve out some things. Um, started to have a little bit more of the ball, and they would get their breakthrough in the 57th minute. Wonderful pass from Giroud playing through Rafa Leao to make it 2-1, and it was game on. And then again, in those moments shortly after that goal, 
Milan started growing with confidence. They started they, they didn't get anything really concrete, but you could see a purpose in their step trying to get back into the game. And once again, the soul of the red and black just completely gets ripped out. Um, and it is Mikatarian again. I'm going to just say this. And I said this on Twitter. Henrik Mikatarian. you know, okay, you're going to look at him and you're going to look at his body of work over the course of his career. And I think everybody's going to say a good player, a good career, you know. But there is one thing that he is elite at and he is one of the best in the world at. And that is finding the spaces that the forwards leave for him and advancing in there. He has done that his entire career. Absolutely. At Borussia Dortmund, Manchester United, Roma, Inter. Shakhtar. Yeah, Shakhtar. You better know when the forwards are making their runs in the counterattacking situations, in the crossing situations, you damn well better know where Mkhitaryan is. Because he's going to find the space, and he's going he's going to find the space without the ball. It's going to get to him, and if he gets to him, if if it gets to him, good night. Three um, one, and at that point, the match was effectively over. Yeah, and this is why we said, in the, you know, there was an argument, you know, prior to the game, who would start, Fratesi or Mkhitaryan? And we made this point last week, last week on the podcast, saying. Mkhitaryan is going to start because he does this kind of stuff. He's going to be so influential. Yes, Fratesi is eventually going to be the eventual start on this team because he is an excellent player as well. But, you know, Fratesi just came off, you know, playing really well for the Azzurri uh, in the uh, international break. And Mkhitaryan is going to be a little bit more fresher, you would think. And he's a big game player as well. Not only does he do is so effective on, on this kind of on, on the on, as a runner, a late runner, but he is a big game player. He's been a big game player throughout his entire career. And so you knew he was going to be effective in this game. You knew he was going to get a goal, at least one, and he got two in this game. Uh, yeah, and he kind of put the nail on the coffin right right there, what, two minutes, two, three minutes after Leal's goal. So that, that yeah. rips the heart out right there for the about game. 12 minutes, actually. I think Mkhitaryan was a 60, uh, 57th minute for Leal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Juve game. Yeah. So, I mean, Milan are trying. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, so, but at that point, you're all right. You're down one nil. You're climbing up a hill. You're trying to get it back. You go down two nil. Now you're trying to get back up that hill. You get one. That climb feels a little bit better because you're making some progress and you're climbing, you're climbing and three one and you're just, you're done. And you could just see it in Milan in their, in their, in their body language and how they perform for the rest of the game. It was, it was loose. It was undisciplined. Um, and uh, they would get a, a penalty against Teo. Uh, Chalhanolu finishes that off, and then the uh, count- and then one more counterattack for good measure. Davide Fratesi gets in, scores his first Inter goal. Five yeah, yeah. one to Inter, and this is easily a story of we've seen this movie plenty of times. We've not seen it to the tune where Inter score five. Um, uh, but they were the better team. Oh, yeah. Um. There is no, there is no sugarcoating this. Before there's no sugarcoating this at all, in terms of the result, Inter deserved the win. Okay, um, comments on the overall performance uh, from both teams, Inter and then Milan. First, first glance, you want to say that Milan is not ready for this line. Like they're not as good as we thought they are. Like it's just based on the result, right? Just looking at the result. But I think you need to give a hundred percent credit to people, uh, people, <laughs> Simone and Zaghi, uh, Limone Ball for the way they play in this game. As you mentioned at the start of this, this is perfection. Exactly how Inter wanted to play this. They used the width. They used their speed. They used their pace. 
Um, they were solid defensively. Really, Milan couldn't really create too many opportunities. This was the perfect game. I um, mean, if you want to have this game that you want to put on your pedestal as like one of your perfect games ever, this is one of Inzaghi's best games in terms of overall completion here. Just complete destruction of Milan, um, as they did in the Champions League semifinals, getting the early goals, two early goals in the game, or this game, one early goal. Um, really just ripped the heart out of the of the Milan uh, Rossoneri, and it was just pure dominance. Everything, they they played the counterattack to perfection. This will be we all know Inter for being a fantastic counter team, and Inzaghi was able to implement exactly his game plan how he wanted. Um, Milan, yeah, they had some positions with the ball, but Inter were clinical. This is what we've been saying for so long that they have not been. They while they had many opportunities, you know, throughout the years, even last year. They've not been a clinical. And this year we've seen a super clinical from Inter. Lautaro's on from the beginning of the season. Taram is playing well. I mean, the whole team is playing well at the moment. Bastoni is playing excellent both defensively and offensively. DiMarco is contributing offensively. I mean, this team from back to front is fantastic. They're super, super talented on the starting 11 and on and from the bench. So that's Inter. Milan, they, they obviously could have done better. I thought Pulisic looked a little shell-shocked in this game. Um, Leao... You know, we, we talk about Leal's performance in this game versus Newcastle. I think he was far worse in the Derby game. Every pass he made just was 20 yards past box, missing everybody. Um, at times, trying to do one-on-one way too often. Uh, Giroud was really played off the park because he really had – I mean, the, the defenders really just shut him down there. Cherubi did a massive job on him. The, the midfield – I know what Pioli was doing, and, uh, and we've given him credit for the inverted uh, inverted backs coming in the middle. But I'm talking about Teo Hernandez Calabria coming in the middle. But that's fine and dandy if you want to gain possession. But when you lose possession, what do you do? And Milan did a really poor job of not only those guys coming back, but the midfield did not help Milan whatsoever in this game. Inter ran right in the middle. The winner usually of these kind of games is the midfield, and Inter's was by far the better midfield in this game. Um, and they showed it. It was just complete destruction, and you have to give 100% credit to Inter. They fully deserve this. They are by far the best team in the league this year. Uh, I see what Juventus has done. I saw the seven for Roma. Inter are by far the class of the league. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Milan should take no credit from the Milan should, should walk away. Yeah, they lost 5-1. Terrible loss in the derby. But this is Inter. If you lost this to another team, it's more worrisome than I think Inter. There's no hanger had a losing to Inter um, in, in this fashion. Yeah, it was a terrible loss, but this is a fantastic Inter team. I don't I don't think this is a mentality issue, Anthony. I think that this is a Inter are the worst possible matchup for Milan and Syria of all the Syria teams. They're the worst possible matchup because they're playing in such a way where the center backs are forced to just man mark the strikers. And that's where all the confusion and now you know, you know, Mateo was on and we talked about it, you know, what Reinders and, and Loftus-Cheek and, and Pulisic look like they've been playing for Milan for five years. Going forward in attack, yes. But when you take a team with new pieces and when you take a team with a new system, as Milan did here, okay, uh, there's two areas that a team is that a team like that is going to be most vulnerable. Okay, one, one on set pieces, which... Interestingly enough, Milan weren't beaten on a set piece this time. Uh, and two, transition. Okay, and here's why it's in transition. Um, you have players playing together that, you know, are – this is their fourth game together, you know, in all reality, right? Um, 
you know, if you exclude all these preseason friendlies and the amount of time that they played and then training matches and all this other stuff. There isn't a like sense or there isn't a understanding of where everybody needs to be in certain situations. And the best mm-hmm. evidence of that was Mikatarian's second goal. Yeah. It felt like six players chased Arnautovic into the box. And that's where this space was open for Mikatarian. There's no balance to Milan defensively. And I think that that is the thing that has to get sorted out over time. Okay. They didn't defend with balance. A lot of guys out there chasing shadows. Okay. Uh, when I did my little scouting report in the summer about Tiani Reinders, I had my concerns about him defensively. Those concerns showed up big time in this game. Okay. Great passing, great range, helps you keep the ball, you know, does all of those things. He, it's not that he can't defend. It's that he's just not particularly good at it at this moment in his career. Okay. Um, Kroonich can't be everywhere, and that got exposed. It was just – there was no balance. And then when on the first goal for Mkhitaryan, there's nobody out to the top of the box to to track across, or there's nobody stepping out to, you know, to give. And then you can see what Mkhitaryan does. He just kind of, all right, I'm just going to drift a little bit and get in this spot. It's going to come to me, and I can redirect it in. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where it is. When Milan defend in transition – it's chaos. There isn't a there isn't a shape to them. Yeah. Everybody's running, and it doesn't look like it's organized running. And Inter drew them out of position too. Inter did yeah. so marvelous at drawing the players out of position and then leaving these big gaps that Mkhitaryan and company would just fill in and boom, goal, goal, goal. Like, geez, I mean, it's perfectly played by Inter. And I agree with you on the mentality aspect. I will say this on the mentality front: Inter have won now what five derbies in a row at least. Um, I feel like. The only mentality thing here is I feel like Inzaghi, he's obviously came from Lazio. He knows about these big derbies. He knows how to get his team up for these big games. He does. Yeah. He know he tells his players what it means to be in a derby. And the players should know, right? You're playing at the San Siro or Giuseppe Miazza if you're if you're uh, Interisti. Um, Pioli, I don't know if I've seen it yet because five games in a row now, they've, they've lost a big derby. Um, and granted, I'm not saying Pioli's not a, a, a bad manager. I'm not saying that. But it seems like in the game where it's, it's emotion has to be right on the line. He almost like subdues his team's emotions while Inzaghi feeds off of it. And it's shown in the last five games. It's never been more evident than the, the two Champions League semifinals and then tonight or this weekend. So um, full credit to Inzaghi uh, to get his team you know, mentally ready for these kind of games. And then, you know, to go also to Anthony's point, it was a shit show defensively, right? Malek Chow had his worst game of his career as a professional. Yeah, um, he got abused. He was abused. I mean, the whole defense was bad. Kiara was probably the most decent of the back four, but that's yeah. not saying much, honestly. So, yeah, it was just wonderful, wonderfully done by Inter. You got to tip your hat over to them. It was just a fantastic show by them. Uh, Reno, I disagree with just about everything you've posted so far, just so you know. Um, and I like you, but, you know, this isn't – you know, this isn't something where you push the panic button, and uh, and here's why. There's still 34 games left. Yep. Okay? As bad as this was, there's still 34 games left. There is a return leg later in the season, or a return, you know, a reverse fixture later in the season where Milan's the home side. I Now, do I think they'll win that game? Probably not. Uh, but I expect them to close the gap and be more competitive. Yeah. Okay? Um you know, and, and get to the level that's expected of them in a derby. 
Inzaghi having two weeks to prepare for this derby probably was a huge edge for Inter as well. Um, You'd think it'd be fine for Pioli though too, and it clearly was not. But man, you know when you when you get Inzaghi in one-off games, and you know when you're when you're on an international break, and and I'd love to go back and see what Inzaghi's record with games are with games. Um, yeah, coming off the break, I, I bet it's it's not perfect, but I bet it's it's up there. He's underrated um, as a manager. He absolutely is underrated as a manager. He is. He's ab- he absolutely is. Um, yeah, there's still 34 games before the fans arrive. The derby is must read the site. I don't have a problem with that. You know, and Milan fans should be disappointed and bitter that they lost the derby. That's yeah. you know, I, I understand the you know, I understand the sacredness of that, but. I'm looking at the big picture, you know, and I'm going to tell you this right now. While it is a derby, these are professionals and they're looking at the big picture. They're looking at long range planning. They're not, you know, and the mentality from Milan has to be get this past us, get over this quickly, because there's a lot of games in front of us, a, a Newcastle team uh, coming to the San Siro are not going to feel sorry for Milan losing five to one. Okay. And to Ollie's point, you know, I, to see what Milan was made of, right? The Derby score, put that aside. How do they how do they regroup after this? And I wanted to see Tuesday night against Newcastle, which we saw tonight, what they would produce. Because if they produce another shit show, maybe they're not as good as they, as we thought they were. But I fully expected uh, after that result that they were going to have a reaction, um, and we saw that reaction. And so that kind of confirms my my suspicion that yes, this team is still good. They just went into a went against a juggernaut, a, a, a buzzsaw that cannot be beat at the moment, um, and you just have to let, tip your hat off to them, enter, and and move on from there. And like I said, there's 34 games left to play. I'm sure Milan's gonna be doing just fine. Um, and watching that result, I guess Newcastle. We'll see how the next you know next handful of games go. But uh, I was very uh, I, I was I saw positive reaction from Milan against Newcastle after what they did against uh, Inter or didn't do against Inter, I should say. <laughs> I'll I'll say this though, you know, when this fixture list came out for the season. And you looked at Roma before the break, Inter after the break. And this is where you've got to look at the big picture. I think I think you would have said, win at least one of those. And it's, you know, if you can win them both, great. If you can come out of there with four points, great. If you come, you know, but the, the, the minimum is win one of those. Yeah. Um, when you looked at how Roma was restructured and all the hype that was surrounding them with Inter, with the continuity that they have, win one of those games and it's not that bad. So, I mean, I think Milan are still on schedule. This is just, it's optically, this is just ugly to lose. It's ugly to lose five to one in the Derby. And that's really what everybody is really concerning themselves with. Absolutely. But if you go back to what you say at the beginning and you see that and say, win one of those, you know, win one of those. And if you lose the other one, it's not the end of the world. That's, that's what it is. So, Um, you know, so just trying to find a way to kind of put a positive spin on this for Milan, uh, moving forward. And and they did go into their champions. We'll talk about their champions league performance today real quick. I mean, I don't know what else they could do. I, I thought that Milan played an outstanding game. I thought they put in a very good, uh, 90 minutes. I thought that they, they outplayed Newcastle, um, uh, you know, Outshot Newcastle twenty-five to six. They they ran into a very good performance from uh, from Pope. Yeah, he was really good. Um, he was really good. And uh, Pope basically saved them because on a different day, Milan are probably top of the group on three points with a three goal difference. Because this this was 
this was a performance worthy of a 3-0 win, but uh, they're walking away with a 0-0 draw. Um, but this is what, I mean, when you look at what you saw on the pitch, this is what you want to see from a Milan coming off of a Derby loss. You want to see the performance. You want to see the dominance. You want to see the chance creation. And a lot of that went on. They just didn't score. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be one of those frustrating nights, but they can walk out of that feeling like, hey, we got this back a little bit. Um, you know, now let's take this energy into the game against Verona this weekend. What do you think? Yeah, they ran, they ran into a hot keeper, right? Sometimes when you run into these keepers who are just on it, nothing is to get by them. You just you gotta you can't do anything about it, right? They had some quality opportunities that, that Nick Pope, you know, just stifled away. I thought Leao was a lot better in this game, as I mentioned before a couple minutes ago. Um, the one slalom and run, which would have been a freaking number one on ESPN's, you know, top goals of the week, top plays of the week. He tried too much at the end. He went in for that back flick. He could have just gone for a regular shot and would have scored, but you know, whatever. He has he has Done it where he's changed his speed and finished on his left. I've seen him do it so many times, and I don't know why he didn't right do too. it there. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just like it was the perfect chance to do that. And and when the announcer said that maybe he was just trying to go for the ultimate highlight reel because he already was at a highlight at that point. But either way, you know, he should have done a lot better there. They didn't score. Their, they didn't. They didn't finish their chances. They were not clinical as Inter were in the derby previously. Um, if this was the you know the other hat with tomorrow with Inter, I imagine Inter will finish those chances as opposed to the way Milan did tonight. But Milan yeah. looked dominant against Newcastle. The, the all the Prem faces kept saying how uh, oh you know M- Milan is not really that good. It's really Brentford who are more of a challenge for Newcastle than you know than Milan are. And where where did Newcastle didn't even show up in, in this game? Uh, Tonali, I think he was also spared one because on that slalom and run that layout should have scored on didn't. Layout, I mean, uh, Tonali kind of gave up on him right at the end. And if, if, if Layout scored, they probably would have gone after him, you know, his fans. Uh, but life, luckily, he got spared in that game. But overall, yeah. overall, good game for Milan. Much uh, well, well done bounce back for them. And uh, I expected that performance. Yeah. You know? Ideally, you want to win, you want to get all the points. But, you know, when you look at the group as a whole, PSG winning 2 0 over Borussia Dortmund. And I mean, I mean, that game, PSG just took target practice on Dortmund. And I still wasn't um, impressed with them. And I still wasn't impressed no, with them. No, it wasn't. It wasn't impressive. So this group is still wide open, um, you know, and uh, Mindyan will have to figure out what the heck happened with him. I know that that's yeah. something that's coming up in the chat. And the injury proneness is starting to get more and more concerning with him. Yeah. Sports um, Yellow made a fantastic save to save that game because the one attempt they had on goal was a, a great save by Sports Yellow. So. But this is the thing, and this is the thing that came out of this is the thing that came out of this game when you take a look at it. I mean, Chukwueze looked good, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Musa, when he came on, he looked good, okay. There's P. I mean, and then Sportiello having to come on, okay. There's and this is why the Maldini thing, Reno, is not you know is something we've gotten past and gotten on with our lives, you know, um, Moncada uh, and uh, uh, is it is it Frulani? Frulani. Um, yep. They assembled depth and they did it smartly and they didn't overspend for anybody. Um, and you're looking at the pieces that are coming into play. Musa looked good. Chukwese looked good. Um, Sportiello is going to be far more serviceable than Tatrasan, who ever was. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it leaves you with a little bit of confidence here. So Pobega was solid. I agree. And then, and then Florenzi was, I mean, the one that he put on Leo's head, that's another one Leo should have finished. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's okay. It sucks that they got trounced in the derby. 
but they rebounded nicely against a very good Newcastle team that's going to compete for top four again in the Premier League and 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 show that they can outplay them. So um you 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 get out of this feeling, but validate this by beating Verona on Saturday. And I don't need to see four nil on Saturday. I just need no. to see three points. Yeah. I, I, I agree hundred percent. Um like uh, someone mentioned in the chat, it might have been Ollie. You know, the next five games are very winnable for Milan, and if they want to yep. prove that they are legit, they gotta have to win those games and you know win them comfortably. Not in the, not as uh, not put a performance that they did against the Derbies. So, but Milan weren't the only team who uh, struggled in a big game this weekend, were they? Mm-hmm. How about uh, the other big game that took place on Saturday? Yeah, uh, Juventus against Lazio. Uh, lots of people obviously ranking Juventus very high this year. Uh, I ranking Lazio very high this year, and so it was interesting to see how this game would go. We saw Lazio do the almost the perfect game. Oh, it was a perfect game against Napoli. Got a win already, early win in the season. Uh, going to Juventus in a game where I fully expected that uh, Lazio would see a majority of the ball. Juve would sit back and kind of, you know, just try to play counterattack and and the typical Juventus forward formation in this game, but we didn't really see that. Uh, looking at the lineups in this one uh, for the home team, Chesney and goal, Chesney and goal with a back three of Danilo, Bremer, and Gatti. Midfield of Kostic, Rabio, Locatelli, Meretti, and Mikani with Vlahovic and Chiesa back together again, and it seems to be suiting number nine very well so far. Uh, looking at the Lazio side, they came out with a 4-3-3. Uh, Provedel, obviously, in goal. Uh, Husai, Romagnoli, Casale, the fantastic uh, center-back pairing there for Lazio with Marosic on the right. Kamada, Cataldi, and Luis Alberto in the middle with uh, Zaccagni and Felipe Anderson flanking Immobile. Um, this game, <laughs> I, I, I almost want to ask you, Frank, uh, is Allegri on vacation? They got a new manager here? Because this is the most stylistic Juventus I've seen offensively since the Pirlo days, it seems like, or even, or even further back there. Uh, what we saw in this game is nothing like I, like I expected in this, like I expected to see. What we saw is an aggressive and attacking, a slick playing Juventus to start off the game. That first 30 minutes, they were just putting it to Lazio. Lazio didn't know what hit them. Um, we saw a wonderful goal of the week candidate by Vlahovic in the 10th minute, 9th, 10th minute. A uh, wonderful cross, wonderful one-time uh, shot to get it past, past uh, Provadel. Um Unexpected for me. I did not expect Juventus to do this. I've seen a couple games this season where they, they did come out this way, but in a, a big game like this, did not expect this from, from Juventus. I thought Allegri would go to his normal tactics. We did not see that. They continued to press on, which, again, is very anti-Allegri. Uh, and Chiesa, it's a wonderful work in the box that Rabiot nearly got to put a ball away. I think McKinney kind of started this whole thing, but uh, Chiesa pounced on the loose ball. Another goal of the week candidate there. Made it 2-0 within 30 minutes. Uh, and they kind of let up in that second, uh, the rest of the, the rest of the first half, and Lazio kind of got into it, but two nothing there at the, at the break. And Frank, I got to tell you, if this is the Juventus we're going to see this season, I'm damn impressed. Uh, I did not expect this from Juventus. This is not Allegri ball, and they look, in my in my eyes, they looked entertaining. They looked freewheeling, moving the ball around, com- confusing the Lazio defense, and their two main guys up top. They're loving life together. It feels like the Fiorentina days, and they both uh, got in the score sheet early. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first half there? Direct and ruthless were the two adjectives I wrote yeah. about Juve's attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it it reminded me of Lippi's teams from the mid-'90s. Uh, you know, when I watched, you know, Lippi, Lippi played a different system, obviously. He played a 4-3-3. Um, but... 
things that I notice. Okay, first of all, um, the 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 direct diagonal balls into Vlaovic, yeah, um, are effective, but they're effective because there's space for Vlaovic to play now. Noticeably, Lazio didn't defend with the compactness. We talked about this last Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Lazio didn't defend with the compactness that they did against Napoli. Nope. Okay. Where Ossiman was choked out, for lack of a better description. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and limited to some off-target shots and just kind of taking some really, you know, low percentage chances. Here... There's space for Vlaovic. He get he finds the area in between the two center backs on the first one and finishes finishes nicely. It was a nice, it was a clever ball by uh, Locatelli. Um, the second goal um, is just excellent control and then just creating the space for his shot. Yeah. Um, this is this is what will. What we what we're capable of what what Juventus is capable of being. I mean, use the attacking talent that you that you have at your disposal, and and, and optimize it. Okay, and that's what they did. I think the three five two suits this team so well. Very it's much. nice to see Allegri adapting to this. Um, but we what we saw at the end of the first half is kind of what I expected the whole game to be like. Where after they got up two nothing, they kind of just went back into like defensive mode there, which is typical Allegri when he goes up two nothing. And Lazio started to get into the game. Coming out of the break in the second half, we saw more of Lazio pressing. And then what we saw is a fantastic goal by Luis Alberto. Made it 2-1 at that point. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. Lazio back into this. Um, again, Luis Alberto seems to be putting a team on his back this season so far. Or it's early still. But it's just, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Luis Alberto. You know, they needed someone to step up with Milinkovic Savic disappearing to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and Luis Alberto is more than capable of doing that, and he's shown that so far this season. It's two to one at that point. It didn't last very long, though. Uh, three minutes later, a, uh, a wonderful. I mean, McKenny, say what you want to say about him. He has moments where he plays. He does something brilliant. Whether it's mostly it's with the ball at his head and in, inside the inside the box, but he makes these runs at times. He makes these passes at times. And in this play, in the 69th minute, uh, wonderful cross pass play. Onto the chest of Vlahovic and Vlahovic with a world-class first touch to kind of stop it, correct himself, get past the defender there, one or two defender, and then slots a home pass. Provadel, another goal of the week candidate there. Fantastic by Vlahovic, looking like vintage Fiorentina Vlahovic there. Three-one uh, at that point in his game set match. Um, Juve kind of just kind of south things out after that. Uh, there were some chances uh, that Lazio had later on, but mostly it was uh, Juve. Uh, Cruising to the victory. And what I liked after the third goal compared to the second goal, after the second goal, Allegri and company kind of went back into their normal Allegri defensive shell uh, and just tried to block everything. What they did in the third goal, after the third goal, they just kept attacking. You saw throughout the game, it came in waves and waves and waves. Moise Kane had an opportunity. Uh, a couple other guys had some opportunities late in the game as well. So that's what, if this is how Allegri 2.0 really is going to be like, or Allegri 3.0, whatever, if it's another version of him, this is going to be a successful Juventus against the big teams uh, down the stretch because what I saw in this game was, a, as you said, an aggressive team, a ruthless team. They were clinical when they had to be. Their stars were put in the perfect positions, and they were clinical. They showed you who they were, the talent that they had, right? Chiesa and Vlahovic looked like the players that Juventus wanted them when they first signed them. Um, 
And I think that midfield, you know, midfield five that they had, Robbie Yo had a really good game. Locatelli was decent in this game. Meretti, I thought, played really well. Uh, Kostic and McKenney were good as well. And, um, you know, Danilo and Gatti both got up. Bremer, uh, and I'm sure you're going to talk about him. Bremer, I thought, was really good in this game. But uh, they really took it to Lazio. And I think Sadi and company did not expect any of this. And we're just completely shell shocked for the opening moments of this game. Yeah. Um, Lazio tried to play Juve. And 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 here's where Allegri saw, here's what Allegri saw. Like said, well, if they come out and try to play us, we're gonna transition and we gotta get we gotta get through their lines, especially through their midfield and at their defenders quickly. Yeah. Okay, before they have the chance to defend and regroup. Because when you know, I think the concern is we we talked about the Napoli game. Okay, more compact. Take all semen out of the game, take your chances with Fatalia. And we talked about this last Wednesday. Like Sonny should go and set his team up the same way and let yeah, let Juve yeah. come at them. Exactly. Um, and and then they just do the counterattacking. Um, but they they did it the other way. And we also talked about how that might be affected because we saw how Bologna were successful. Correct. Juve made some nice adjustments. Allegri did, made some nice adjustments. And his team, you know, defended with more balance and defended with more compactness. There weren't the gaps you know, in between oh. Bremer and the and, and the and the backs, but then the other thing was, why did why was Bologna such a success against Juventus in their game and, and could have came away with the win? Zerxi had the chance to get the ball and play people in directly from his forward position. Yeah. Immobile had no chance. Bremer kicked the shit out of him for ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. basically what happened here. And Bremer yeah. even got a yellow card in this game, but Bremer was and and for all of what Juve did going forward, okay. The unwritten comment here is Bremer. Bremer was masterful against yeah. Immobile on Saturday. He was. He okay? was. Just masterful. And I was even surprised that Immobile got a shot on target in this game. He had one. He had another shot blocked. That's it. That's all it is. And when you are Lazio, you, de- you depend on Immobile to be a part of your attack. And when Juve... When Lazio got the ball in possession, you watched, you had Bremer man marking, and, and you could literally watch it. There wasn't any zone, there wasn't any support, balance, that kind of thing. It was Bremer just following Immobile where he went, and he made sure that he was like within touch, touching distance of him at, mm-hmm. at all times. That forced Lazio to have to go around Juve, okay? And, and the chances weren't very good, okay? So, how does Lazio score? They press you, Juventus. And that's where I think you can get Juve still through the, in their midfield in their, in their midfield players. If you can press them before they get going, you're going to get your chances because you're going to catch Juve stretched. Okay, and that's how Lazio got their goal. There were two other there were two other occasions where they were successful and and and, and nearly got something out of it. Okay, yeah. um, so that's something that I think has to be of concern if you're a Juventus supporter. Um, that those midfield players can still get pressed into mistakes and can put the team into situations where they're stretched. Um, and I can just see, well, Milan could come out and press Locatelli, press Rabio when they've got the ball trying to enter this, the middle third into mistakes. Pioli wants to get these midfielders playing high. You press them. Leo now has room um, and go from there. So um, how many midfields are better than Juve's for now. Uh, I'd say Inter's is better. Inter. Um, Napoli. I'd, I'd argue that Napoli's is better. Yes. Um, he counts three teams. 
Milan. He's probably looking at Milan, I would guess. Um, I, I I don't know. I got you know. I got to see them play. I've got to see them play each other. Um, in theory, I could see where he where he could where he could think that. Yeah. Okay, you you could make the case for Roma. Roma um, has a chance. Fiorentina and Atalanta have chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fiorentina, not so much now. Now that Amrabat's gone. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So. Uh, but, but no, I, I, I get it, Ollie. That's, that's a great point. So that's, that's one thing that I think Juve will need to fix. But I think, you know, Bonatti brought this up last week too, is like this midfield doesn't scare you. They go to Europe and they're going to be, look, Italy doesn't scare you. Rabiot, he, he seems to play well when in the big games. We saw he's done it for France. He's done it for Juventus. He's done it PSG, but the rest of this midfield really hasn't been tested. And so no, none of them scream. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of you and I got to avoid you. And so, Until they get better and start proving people wrong, they're just going to be an eh midfield, and you know maybe they'll do well in Serie A because there's only a handful of teams that are that are better than maybe midfield as a whole. But you go to European, you know, the European games when they eventually get there, uh, and it's going to they're going to have to prove a lot. And so yeah. I guess they got a year to work on that. But uh, yeah, no, I think overall is a good game. And you know, going back to your your defensive point there about Bremer, you know, I, I compare. The Inter back three to Juventus back three in this sense. Bremer was fantastic in this game. He's got to be. He's got to be fantastic for that back three to work. Same mm-hmm. thing with Acerbi and Inter, right? Acerbi does well, and the rest of the, it helps the back line so much. And I think two players, as a result of those two guys that that feast off of that, are two players. Well, I mentioned from a long time ago when they first came in the league, both Gatti and Bastone, saying, "Watch these guys." They're good in the back, and they can they can provide on the offensive side. They're good defensively. Watch out for them. It both took a little bit to to get you know, acclimated to to their teams, but what you're seeing is both of them starting to flourish because of guys like Bremer and guys like Acerbi. It gets them comfortable, allows them to play a little bit more out of their skin, be able let them be a little more loose, and you see them flourish as a result too. So yeah, it's just uh, good things from the Juventus back three, and uh, good to see Bremer having it seems a bounce back year as. A, after last year, which was a little bit of a nightmare for him after coming back to Colorado Juventus. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. Uh, what were your impressions of Lazio here against Atletico Madrid? Certainly, uh, certainly caused a lot of chance. Certainly created a lot of chances. It's always an Atletico Madrid that's going to be dangerous going the other way. They got a goal from uh, Barrios that defle- deflected off a defender. Yeah. yeah. I had concerns with the partnership of Patrick and and Romagnoli, but Patrick actually played all right. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a chance for Alvaro Morata to eat with with Patrick back there, but but they they contained him pretty well. Um, so, uh, so that's something that we probably uh, should take a look at because Patrick played a little bit better. Um. Yeah. Uh, then, then I, then I probably was gonna going to give him credit for, um, you know, and I thought you know they got good play from Luis Alberto. He tried to dictate things. I mean, I think that the way that Atlético Madrid set up, I think they were going to let Luis Alberto have it in certain areas, you know, where as long as they're always going to be in dangerous positions. But lo and behold, they can't, you know. Lazio can't finish anything, but then they uh, they rely on the uh, the ever prolific Ivan Provedel in the ninety. Next, the next Azuri striker here, right? Uh, yeah, 
you know, this is a game similar to Milan where they look terrible on the weekend, and I expected a better performance from Lazio because I, I do think this is a good Lazio team, and so I fully expect them to bounce back. It's going to be difficult against, you know, uh, Cholito's defense that he always has for the last, what, 12 years. Um, anytime you play against his, his team, their defense are just one of the most difficult in the world to break down, especially when they get a lead. And I think they fully deserve to draw in this game. They, uh, yeah, obviously you got a bad balance with the with the Barrios uh, deflection that ended him going into the goal. Provodil had to make some big saves, but on the counter to that, I thought they created some chances offensively. O'Block had to make some big saves. He's a big time keeper, uh, and he looked. Lit. I mean, Immobile had some sitters that he's gonna be having nightmares about. He was better in this game than he was against Juventus, but I thought you know the midfield Kamada was involved a lot. Uh, Luis Alberto was going to have a lot of the ball, but Kamada made the most of his opportunities. I thought Cataldi, or um, excuse me, Vecino was really good early on. Um, Matasic was involved, you know, a little bit uh, coming down to help out with the offensive side. Provadel was big when he had to be. Um, you know, I like to see more of Felipe Anderson and Zakani, but it, you know, obviously Aleti were focusing on them to kind of shut them out and 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 hope their defense was going to you know cancel out Immobile, which they did for most parts of the game, but. They still had their opportunities and they never quit. And then what you saw is they gave too much time at the end, and Luis Alberto just per perfect ball into the box. And Provadel looking like the the classic number nine there with a beautiful run and getting the header there. And his reaction was you know magnificent. I think they fully deserved that draw. Uh, you know, yeah. performance by Atleti, but I thought Lazio tried the entire game. They gave him a hell of a game. And there's no shame. I mean, you can if you can get points off of the favorite to win that group, that sets you up pretty well. Um, it comes down to how they can do against Feyenoord that's going to determine whether or not they're going to be able to go through. Yeah. Um, Provadel heads better than Leao, just yeah, saying. Yeah. Many, most players in the league he does. He's pretty good. <laughs> he scored He scored more than he, – he outscored Chiro Immobile over the last two games. Ouch. <laughs> Provadel, Provadel greater than Immobile. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I we'll start printing those T-shirts. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but you know, go back to your point about Patrick. I thought Patrick. Yeah, he. I was worried about that defensive pairing with he and uh, Romagnoli. Uh, but what we saw is that Patrick. You know, he stepped up. He had some good opportunities. He had some good ball movement. You know, especially he got a little risque there in defensive end where he tried to like uh, dribble the ball all the way out, and he was successful at times. So you know, good performance by him overall. Uh, but I think uh, this Lazio performance is much better than what we saw on the weekend. And, uh, yeah, you know, when uh, Lazzari, I like to see more of him. I didn't think he was anything when he came off the bench. But Isaacson, he was involved. Guendozzi was involved, I thought. Uh, Cataldi had good performance as well when he came off. Um, I mean, obviously, seen a cameo by Pedro. I expected, you know, things would pick up when Pedro came in there because he obviously knows Aleti very well from the La Liga. So, yeah, good performance by Lazio. And I think it's an unexpected point that, Many, including Atleti, did not expect. Um, I know Griezmann and company are shocked at, at the result, but again, fully deserved by Lazio. And if they can get a result now in their next matchup, that's going to be crucial for them and in, 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 in their chances of progressing. I still think all four Italian teams are going to progress, but uh, this is going to be the this is going to be a true test to see what, what Lazio is made of. And I think I'm hoping Saudi and company continue to take this seriously because if they do, they can they have a really good chance of, of getting out of this group. Yep, yep. It just, I, I, like I said, I think it comes down to the two games with Feyenoord. Yep. If they get the better of the points of those, then they're going to go through. Yep. Um, all right. The rest of match week four, uh, certainly a lot of goals. So uh, uh, strap in. We're going to go right through them. Genoa and Napoli, uh, probably one of the, if, if 5 1 Inter to, over Milan 
wasn't the surprise of the weekend. This is this is up there. Yeah, two uh, yeah. two uh, with Napoli, and Genoa was winning two 0 Mattia Bani uh, scoring in the 40th minute uh, from Coni De Winter, uh, and then Matteo Rettegi in the 56th yeah, minute making it two 0 Where we in for a shock? Uh, and then Cayuse uh, showed up for yeah. the first time probably since the last time, and he actually played really well. He gets an assist uh, for Giacomo Raspadori to make it 2-1. And then in the 84th minute, it is Matteo Politano with a goal of the week candidate yep. uh, to spare the blushes somewhat uh, for the Partenope in a 2-2 draw. Calgary and Udinese didn't get the memo about lots of goals being scored this week. I thought this could be Calgary's first win this season. Um mm. They actually had uh, 1.59 expected goals to Udinese, 0.75 as the game went on. So, they, uh, yes. They, they looked a better team. Yeah, they they were the won. better team. Should have got the three points, didn't get it yeah. done. Um, Sassuolo gets out to a 2-0 lead in the first 24 minutes, uh, and it is a brace from Andrea Pinamonte, one yeah. from Matias Vigna, the other from Jeremy Toljan. Uh, but just before halftime, a lifeline for Frosinone and Walid Kadira getting his first goal uh, for Frosinone at City A level. It has to be set on a penalty. Yep. Um, and uh, that makes it 2-1. And then all of a sudden, uh, Frosinone just go off in the second half. And in particular, one Luca Mazzitelli with a goal of the week candidate to square yeah. the match at 2-2. And then six minutes later in the 76th, puts them ahead, <laughs> making it 3-2. Sassuolo's pressing desperately to try to rescue a point out of it, but then they've got everybody committed forward, and then Polirola gets, I mean, Kadira gets through and unselfishly plays Polirola for a fourth. Eusebio Di Francesco, is he really having a renaissance? Is he really having a redemption uh, at Frozenone? Uh, time will tell if this can be sustained. Monza and Lecce, we, we told you that this might be the most entertaining game that doesn't involve the marquee teams. It was entertaining for reasons beyond just the the the, the, the game itself. Uh, Kristovic scoring again for Lecce, this time on a penalty three minutes in. And boy, I'll tell you what, Andrea Colpani looks to be the next big next big time attacking midfielder in the Italian setup. Yes. Um, and uh, what a wonderful one-two with Lorenzo Colombo. This is a goal of the week candidate for us. 1-1. Federico Basquerotto was sent off in the 55th minute. Luca Caldiroda, a second yellow. Um, Monza outscore, outshot Lecce 25 to 4. Uh, so Lecce might have been a little bit lucky to get this 1 1 draw. Expected goals uh, 2.18 to 0 0.89 if mm. you're into that kind of thing mm. in favor of Monza. But the game ends 1 1. Uh, Fiorentina and Atalanta 3 2. Toon Coop Miners in the 20th minute. Uh, giving the lead for Ladea. 15 minutes later, an old friend of Atalanta's, Giacomo Bonaventura, in the 35th minute, goal of the week candidate with his control and finish. Um, and uh, in the 45th minute, just before halftime, there's Lucas Martinez Quarta. I told you, play him. I mean, I don't know what yeah. this Luca Ranieri bullshit was with them against Inter a couple weeks ago, but here we are. Um, maybe I should uh, apply for the Fiorentina manager job if they ever sack Italiano. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. 53rd minute. I love Florence. I love that city. Have you ever been? No, not yet, but I plan to be there. Great town. Great city. Um, Adamola Lookman leveled the scoring in the 53rd minute, making it 2 2. Uh, it would be Kwame getting the winner in the 76th minute uh, for Fiorentina. Um, 
26 shots between the two teams. Fiorentina actually had eight shots on target. Uh, so Carnesecchi, uh, uh, good to see him with a good team. Yeah. Um, uh, helping keep Atalanta in it, but not enough. Um, are you ready for some football? Mm-hmm. Roma with a touchdown. Uh, not, beating Empoli 7-0. Uh, it was Pauli Dybala on a penalty. Renato Sanchez scoring then in the eighth minute, 2-0 after eight minute. Alberto Grassi thought, you know what? Um, we're not going to score on your net, Roma, so I'm just going to score on my own and add to the fun. 3-0 <laughs> to Roma there. Uh, Pauli Dybala in the 55th minute. Uh, Brian Cristante in the 79th minute. Mm-hmm. Romelu Lukaku in the 82nd minute. Gianluca Mancini in the 86th. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the, the the laughable thing is the expected goals for Roma was 2.4. Wow. So that's like saying there's like four or five of those goals they shouldn't have scored. Yeah. I don't know how you can say that. <laughs> so I watched this game and I watched highlights of this game and I'm like, I don't know how they didn't score 10. I know. Um, I know. But that's that's why I think expected goals can be foolish sometimes. Yeah. Um, Salernitana hurt my feelings because I – had a lot of fin- – well, not a lot, but I had some financial interest in them. I thought they could win at home against Torino with – even without Bulaidia, I thought that they could get it done. But Torino, you know, we said it before. It's Ivan Juric's most talented team uh, that he's probably had at any city, any of his Serie A stops, and he gets a 3-0 win at Salernitana. It was uh, Alessandro Buongiorno in the 15th minute and then a Nemanja Radonjic double. Yeah. Uh, Radonjic was just a man in this game. He was. Um, and uh, that is a 3-0 win for Torino on the road. And then Hellas Verona rounded it up by not getting the memo about all the goals. 0-0 the score there. Although, Bologna did everything they could, yeah. uh, especially Tzertzi and Doi and Ferguson. Uh, just not enough to get it done. A debut for Rayma Freuler, though, uh, for Bologna, which uh, a, a, a much need a position of need when Dominguez left. So yes, yes. where do you want to start with these games? Well, let's start. We'll go back only to Saturday. Uh, the other, the third big game of the day. Gen- you would have think it right, but Genoa hosting Napoli. Yeah. And I, first of all, the jerseys by the kits by Genoa are fantastic. I love the I love the the mustard color. I like I, that color. I normally yeah. don't like it, but I look good on them. Um, Retegui, he seems like a real deal, man. He just he had a lot of chances in that first half. He creates his own opportunities. He's opportunistic. Uh, he's not just a flash in the pan, I think. And so, uh, you know, I love what I, I saw from him. Uh, and Genoa, really, I think what we saw is Gilardino paying attention to what happened in other games. And we they, they watched what other teams were doing against Napoli. And we saw a lot of double teaming against Havrashelia, which made it a little bit more difficult for him. And it kind of stifled Napoli. I mean, obviously, the whole defensive work that they did was stifling Napoli early on. But what we saw eventually is after down 2 nothing, Napoli really turned it on. And then you saw the midfield players really getting it, uh, really get uh, tightening the screws in that one. And Raspadori with a wonderful goal. His goal was wonderful, wonderfully taken there. And then Politano, like you mentioned, a great goal there. But Genoa, man, I think they're, they're going to be a lot better than, than most people think they are this year. I think uh, Gilardino has uh, the tactics in him. He has some players on his team. Some, you know, Goodmanson is another player that we like. He he played well in this game too, um, and so Genoa are going to surprise a lot of people this year, and obviously surprised um, Napoli. I think again, this is kind of what this is why I didn't pick Napoli to win the Scudetto is because I don't think Rudy Garcia in these types of game, even even the big games, always gets it right, and it showed in this game how this, we're not ready for Genoa to to come out like they did. Uh, and full full credit to Jenna for that, but you know, 
Napoli are the champions. They did fight back and made it 2-2, but it was a it was an entertaining game to say the least. Uh, the weekend, I, like you said, Cagliari should have won that game. They had lots of opportunities. Lavumba is a wonderful player. He had lots of opportunities in the game. They just could not score a goal for the life of them. They got lucky as well. Um, one play, I forget, Lavumba, I think it was, had a fantastic shot off the post. Goes right into the arms of Silvestri, right? And nine times out of ten, it's going to bounce off him going the goal. So, you know, they got kind of unlucky there. The EDF Derby uh, at Frosinone, I thought uh, it just, I don't know if, I don't know if Frosinone can hold it up for the whole entire season, but, you know. No, it won't sustain. What do we say this about all the other teams, right? Lecce and other teams, you know, get the points while you can. While every other team is trying to get to that good spot, take advantage of it. And Frosinone yep. certainly are so far this season. Four goals. Uh, Matatelli, wonderful performance by him. Uh, Monza Lecce kind of lived up to the billing. You know, two good teams there. And Monza, our team, going to be in the top 10 again. I, I, I do believe. Um, I was, I'm glad I was wrong with the Fiorentina Atalanta game. I thought Atalanta were going to be able to continue on in their, their fine form, but Fiorentina stepped up. They've been struggling. I told you, I told you Fiorentina would bounce back. You did. You did. And <laughs> the performance was excellent. Uh, they, they, they went, it was a puncher's game and they had the last punch and they, and they knocked out, uh, Atalanta there. And then in Roma, good for Roma. We, we talk about this all the time that, you know, what do they look like with all the pieces are there? And Paula Dybala is something special. He is a special player. And you saw in this game how he just kind of pulled the strings in this game. You see what they are like with Lukaku in the lineup. He is going to be an instrumental piece for them. And, you know, we already see flashes of Tammy Abraham, uh, you know, getting fit. Who knows if he comes back this season. But um, what we saw is Sanchez and Dybala and Lukaku. That's a, that's a nice combination there, right? And uh, I think this Roma team, if they can stay healthy, they're obviously going to be a team that's going to be difficult to play against this year. And um, last, last shot is... I was going to echo your comments on Torino. I think this is a really good Torino team. A lot of good players on this team. When Radonjic uh, is on, I mean, obviously, Duvan Zapata is going to be the guy who's the marquee guy on the team, but Radonjic is excellent. When he's on, that team is going to win. It just, it, when he scores, it seems like they're undefeated in, in those situations. So uh, Torino is another team to keep it out this year. They're going to be contending for the top 10 position this year. So. So SofaScore has, and I don't, I don't always believe SofaScore's ratings, but it's very interesting to take a look at this. Um, their top ten average, their top ten players in terms of average rating per game. Five of them are interplayers. Um, the top four are actually interplayers, so that's appropriate. Yep. Um, Lotaro, Di Marco, Bastoni, Mkhitaryan, and then Chalinolu is ninth. You got Leao in there, and Giroud are in there. Um, because you know, as ugly as that, uh, as ugly as that was on Saturday, the first three games they were both very influential. Um, you've got Cristante in there, and I think a lot of that is skewed on his game this past weekend against Empoli. And then you've got Montipo at tenth because he's the goalkeeper for Verona, and he's playing for a team that's allowing him to get shelled and forcing him to make saves. Yeah, Andrea Copani is sixth on this list. We we're talking about him earlier. Yeah. And he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. I mean, if we had to do a spot that if you know that through four games, you, you got to jam him into it. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm buying in on this. I think he's a talent. And I think he is. When you're talking about that attacking midfielder that Italy need that's going to be able to unlock things and things like that, and Matteo was on with us last week, and we talked about Verratti's still the only midfielder that can do that. You know, 
I'd love to see Colpani get into the Italy setup and see if he can take his take his crack at this. So yeah, we we've seen them trying to jam Locatelli in that position, and it hasn't worked. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you can't force someone to be someone that they're not. And I think Colpani is certainly that type of player who can get in there, make it difficult for the opposition, can contribute to the offensive side. And he's he's looked fantastic. He's fun to watch so far, and he's got a good uh, understanding of the of the game. And knows where to be in the right places at the right time, right? Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to see what this guy can continue to build and and hopefully become a a member of the Azzurri and and be a, a key contributor for them go down the road. So, yeah, totally excited. I'm glad he got a it's a fair shot. To be you know top six. Yep. I yes for sure. So so I and I think that's a uh, <laughs> you know as much as I can disagree with how Sofa score rates their players sometimes they're top ten. I don't have yeah. too much of a hard time disagreeing with and and where they have everybody placed. I mean, if you look at it through four games, it's it's Lautaro 1, DiMarco 2, Bastoni 3, Mkhitaryan 4, Giroud 5, Colpani 6, Cristante 7, Leao 8, Chalanolu 9, Montipo 10. And then your next five after that, Luis Alberto 11, Di Lorenzo 12, Turati 13, Alcimen 14, and Ederson from Atalanta 15. So Turati had um, a fantastic save this weekend too. Uh, he did. But since you're talking about rankings, we didn't do this last week. But uh, power rankings, uh, what is your what is your power rankings look like this week? Oh boy. Okay. So my power Inter rankings. Number right, one, obviously. Inter number one, Juventus number two. So I mean, they're one two in the table, but they're going to be one two in the power rankings as well. Yeah. Um. Lecce three. I'm with you. Um. Right now, I mean, this is going to normalize at some point. Yes, for sure, um, for sure. Frozenoni and, and Lecce are both in the in the top seven, you know, so that's going to level out. I would say Milan four. I would say Torino five. Okay. Um, I think they've overcome that 4-1 defeat, and, um, you know, that would be my top five right now if I'm just – if I'm going off of power rankings. So I'll go Inter, Juve, Lecce, Milan, Torino. I'm going to go Inter, Juve, Lecce, Milan, Napoli with Torino just outside the top five. Okay, even with even with Napoli drawing 2-2 with Genoa. Yeah, I, I still okay. think I still think they're a real deal. I just uh yeah, no. Yeah. Is this more of an indictment on on Torino uh losing 4-1 to Milan or Yeah, yeah, a little bit of there. I mean, I think I don't think Napoli they lost to a very good Lazio setup there, and I thought the draws were teams that played really well in those games. Versus, you know, Torino did have that little stinker against Milan, so that's a little difference there. Okay, gotcha. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that Empoli, the, the Empoli have yet to score this season. Yeah, um, four games in, and you would think with some of the players that they have in the midfield and some of that stuff, and yeah, and and Zanetti's already been fired, um, so he's so wow. so. He wins the sack race. Well, wins or loses the sack race, uh, yeah. however you want to look at it. When we yeah. all thought it was going to be EDF, which was manager of the year at this point. Gosh, it's incredible <laughs> what he's what, what's going on over there at Frozenoni uh. and, and the job that he's doing. Beating Atalanta, yeah, okay, they took it. They took it in the teeth against, and I, you know, Frozen. They're sixth in the table right now. I know. Um, Unreal. So it's you know I. Again, this will all normalize. We need a few more games. We need a little more sample, but 
I mean, some of these stories right now that are popping out early on in the season are are, are interesting to tell right now. So, well, take talk about samples. We had a lot of samples of goals this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of goals. I'll give you my top five. Um, my honorable mentions. I'm gonna go Luis Alberto. I thought his nice goal in consolation to their loss against uh, Juventus. Politano, his goal was very nice. Uh, and Torati hit a game-saving stop in, in, in his game. But my top five is actually a twist at the end, and I'll get to it. Uh, number five for me, Mikatarian's first goal, the team goal for you by Inter. Wonderfully done on the counter there. Number five, I'm going to Federico Chiesa. Wonderful strike uh, in for the what, second goal for Juventus in that game. Uh, well done there. Number four, going to his teammate, or number three, uh Vlahovic his first his first team goal first goal of the game for him I should say the team goal is wonderfully done by by Juventus nicely first touch by Vlahovic put it away number two I'm going with Taram his uh team counter goal where he scored a wonderful goal top corner and it was only outdone for me by Vlahovic's second goal I thought that was a marvelous team goal team play but also a wonderful goal I mean Vlahovic what he did by himself was this fantastic there uh so that's number one with an asterisk because my number one play of the week is Provedel's header uh, today against uh, Atleti to, to tie that game at the death. Uh, it was just wonderfully done there. So Proved, when a goalie scores, it's usually going to be number one for me. So that's the real How do you one. have Taram's goal too? <laughs> I like Vlahovic's um, goal. I like Vlahovic's goal. That we brought that ball down for McKenney wonderfully. I just liked it a lot. I don't know. Okay. And screw um, Inter. That's my screw Inter. <laughs> I have Tarama as the goal of the week, and I have Vlaovic's second goal second, so I, I flip-flopped that. Yeah. Uh, Kolpani's third for me, the combination between yeah. him and Colombo. Brilliant goal. Um, I've, I've got the Mazzatelli volley at the top of the box for Frozenoni at four, and, and Vlaovic's first goal is fifth for me. Yep. So, um, that's a good goal. So that's the direction I'm going on my top five. Yep. So. Uh, so yeah, so we power ranked our top five in Serie A based on how they're playing right now, uh, based on also based on results they're accumulating, of course. And then we've also gone through our goals of the week. So let's move on to Europe. And we've got uh, we've talked we we talked about Milan, Newcastle. We talked about Lazio, Atletico Madrid. Wednesday, two Champions League games um, in the offing. It's uh, Braga hosting Napoli, and it's Real Sociedad versus Inter. Um, already, you know, there's I think it was uh, with. So in the press conference, Artur George was asked about how are you going to deal with the speed of Victor Ossiman with with 39-year-old Jose Font playing back there. And George answered by saying, I'm just curious as how Juventus, or not Juventus, Napoli's defense is going to deal with the speed of Abel Ruiz, Alvaro Giallo, and Bruma. And you know what? He's right. You know, because this Napoli defense has not figured it out um without Kim um and uh th- they have been exposed uh first by Lazio then by um Genoa here and Genoa exposed them on set pieces you can go back to beating Napoli on set pieces now that Kim's out of there yeah um that's something that Spalletti did a good job of shoring up it's all of a sudden chaos again you know in that regard now you're not going to look at Bruma, Abel Ruiz, and Jallo to beat you. They're going to beat. They're going to take people on and beat you with pace. Um, that's when you're looking for. They better have an understanding of where Niakate is on corners, because um, he's going to be the most dangerous threat to get his head to a ball. Uh, Ricardo Horta is a good playmaker. I mean, this is a Braga team that has. 
Yeah, it's a, and it's historically been an attacking side. They don't know how to defend. They don't know how to just pack it in and defend. They're going to come out and play Napoli, I see, which can play into Napoli's hands, especially if you leave Fonitalia and Aussieman high. Um, I see goals in this game. I, I actually do. I think that this is going to be an exciting game. Um, let's see what the bookies have at uh, what the markets have the over two and a half at. They have it at minus 125. They also favor both teams to score just slightly. Um, I think you can go. I think you can bet the over three and a half on this at plus two twenty if you can get it. Um, that's what it's showing on SofaScore um, because I think a th- and maybe even over four and a half if you wanted. But I think a three a three two win for Napoli or a three one win makes sense here. Yeah, I think other two games that the the Italian teams are playing this week or tomorrow. I should say this game, Braga and Napoli, is going to be the more difficult game for the Italian uh, uh, Italian team. I, I have to agree with the manager for for Braga. I think you know the obviously the pace is going to be something that's going to worry Napoli. Napoli, had, to your point, has struggled so far this year. I mean, if Genoa can look dangerous against them, you know what what is Braga going to do to them, right? And so how they counteract that, you know, obviously the midfield is going to have to play an important role for for Napoli. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I see goals in this game. I, I'm also going to bet over to the over to three or three and a half um, goal mark there. I, I think you know, I think a two-two result will be actually a good scoreline for Napoli, um, considering it's early in the season and they haven't found yet who they are at least defensively. Uh, you know, Rashieli and, and Osimhen are going to do their thing, but you yeah. know, they have to figure it out defensively. I think, and they got some guys who have some pace back there. What can the wing back? So you know, the in the middle there should be fine, but you know, getting beat on the wing. And then get that cross in the middle to, to a streaker pass that between the, the between the center backs is going to be what's going to be the undoing for Napoli and even to, to even the set pieces to what you were saying. So um, yeah, I see goals in this game. I, it's it's I don't I, I have to be proven wrong about their defense, and so I'm going to throw two two in this game, uh, and it's going to be a good good draw for Napoli. But two two, I see goals in this game for sure. Sure. Um, then Real Sociedad Inter. Looks like Andre Silva, who is now at Sociedad, this is like his twelfth team that he's joined. Um, yeah. And uh, but they've got players like Oyathabel, Kubo, uh, Bryce Mendez, uh, Mikel Marino can come through the midfield and score. He did it for Spain at the international break, um, but he's also done it multiple times for El Sociedad. Um, you know, so they have some pieces that can get get to you and give you some trouble. Um, uh, Baron, uh, and then Berenicea, who plays on the left-hand side, uh, who's been scoring some goals for Sociedad. He actually has three goals in his last four games in league. So they look to him, too, to help produce. Um, I anticipate this game kind of, though, being a little bit more intense, more slow. There, I don't. The, the goals aren't there. The money is suggesting that as well. Um, they're kind of split on whether or not both teams score. They also have the over two and a half at plus one ten. So, and I kind of agree with that. But I think Inter are going to nick this. Um, I don't think they're going to be hung over from the derby. It's it's Simone Inzaghi in a cup, and we've seen what he what he's done. I fully expect Inter to win this game, and I'm going to back them to win it one nil. I think they're going to find an odd one that is going to and, and they're going to be perfectly happy with that and they're going to get on with their day 
Yeah, yeah, I'm along those lines. Uh, you know, I, Inter have certainly come out very clinical to start the season, uh, looking very dangerous, uh, at least on the um, Peninsula front. But uh, the that team is, they're good. They're so good. I, I, I think maybe Braga is a little bit better than they are in terms of, you know, comparing those two teams. But they still have some pieces on their team. And you can't, you know, even though this is Andres Silva's 12th team, he's still a good player, right? He scored, what, 28 goals last year or something ridiculous in the Bundesliga. Um, so he's a, he's a decent player. I think it's going to be tighter than maybe Interisi want, but I, I I feel they're going to be win comfortably and, and comfortably meaning I don't think they're going to feel like they're being challenged defensively. Uh, I feel another clean sheet coming for Jan Sommer, and I think it's going to be a two nothing in this game. Inter win, um, like I said, win on the road, take it back and move on move on from there. Uh, they're not going to be hungover from this game because, like you said, they have Simone Inzaghi who is a cup merchant. He look, gets up for these games, gets the teams prepared for these games, and so if it was the opposite, maybe you would have that. But no, not in a cup game. Inter is going to be prepared, and so they're going to win. It's not going to be pretty, but they're going to get it done. Yeah, I, I I think this is a borderline rock fight. You know, not like uh, the kind of rock fight Roma will get into with Mourinho, yeah. um, but I think that uh, you know, having said that. Um, I think Inter find the resources to just and, – and they're not going to be bothered by just going there and winning by one goal to nil. That's not going to bother them any. Um, so I'll go with that. Um, let's get on to the Europa. We're going to group the Europa and Conference League matches together. Um, in the Europa League, we've got uh, – let's see. We've got – that's not what I clicked on. Oh, well, go um, ahead. And Europe, you got go Sher- ahead. We got, we got, we got, we got, we got uh, sheriff hosting Roma. Sorry. Yeah, sheriff, sheriff hosting, hosting Roma. Atalanta, Atalanta hosting Rockoff. And gang hosting. You, you go ahead. Uh, gang, <laughs> gang hosting Trinitini. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking at uh, sheriff hosting Roma. I think Roma on the road. I think going to be buoyed by those seven goals. Uh, should win in that game. Is uh, sheriff aren't quite as daunting as it had been in the previous years, and they're. they're impressive uh, win against Real Madrid a couple years ago, but I think Roma should win this game uh, fairly comfortably. Uh, Atalanta Rakao, I think, should be a should be a walk the park for Atalanta, and by, by walk the park, I mean a you know, two-goal two goal victory uh, there, maybe 2-0, two, 3-1 uh, two in that game, and then looking at the Europa League score, or Conference League score, Genk Fiorentina is going to be the, the game to watch of these three, because I think Genk is, is a decent team, uh, and they're at home, and so we'll see what Fiorentina is made of. Obviously, last year, Fantastic run by Fiorentina end of the season on all three fronts, but this is a new year and they have started a little bit rocky uh, in, in to start the season. Obviously, a big win against Atalanta, but uh, how do they bounce back? Do they have a, a letdown performance against Genk after beating Atalanta in a, in a, in a thrilling way? I don't know. I I, I see a, a score draw in this game against Genk. I don't think they're quite back into form where they were last year in in, in Europe. Um, and so yeah, I want to see something. I'll probably see something like a. 2-2 scoreline. I, I I don't trust Fiorentina's defense just yet. Uh, and I think Gant could probably get a couple on them. So, 2-2. Uh, now, Rockoff, Chesko, Chestakova have some pieces that we should maybe concern ourselves with a little bit. Um, you know, and it depends on how serious they are going to be about about these things. But uh, Fran Tudor is kind of the playmaker on that team. Um, you know, they, they gave, I believe it was Copenhagen, uh, a scare in Champions League qualifying uh, before eventually bowing out to them. Um, you know, they had a chance to, uh, I think they had, I think they even had a chance to send the, uh, the two legs into extra time. 
but fell a little bit short. So um, they've been in certain situations. Uh, having said that, though, I think Atalanta, to your point, I think they win comfortably, um, if they, especially if they're motivated for it. Uh, I look at the Sheriff Roma game. Uh, Roma's a decent favorite in this game. Uh, I could see Mourinho doing a little bit of rotation here, um, knowing that there's got to be a priority to get back up the table in Serie A. So um, I don't, I, but I, you know, I see them. I don't see them blowing away Sheriff here. I see maybe a two-one win. I don't hate the idea of Sheriff sneaking one in because I think there still is a vulnerability to Sheriff uh, to Roma defensively yeah. that could get exposed. Um, you know the. Uh, the money doesn't as of now. The money's not suggesting that sheriff's going to score, but I think you got to prepare for something like that. Gang Fiorentina has the makings of a pretty entertaining game. Gang has produced some really good players through the years, um, and and have some in their disposal here. And Fiorentina just better be careful. Um, I can see a score draw here, Richard. Yep, agree. Quite frankly, uh, and I'm going to say two two. Yep. Um, it's not going to be the ideal start for Fiorentina, but it's going to be a point and it's going to get them going. So, um, you know, so I, I think that, uh, you know, we'll come out of this uh, with the Serie A teams going through the week without losing a game. So, um, but, uh, you know, an Armenian, Armenian interest are welcome, by the way. Uh, good to have you with us. Absolutely. Um, but I think that uh, I think that it'll be a good, you know, good week of games, good showing uh, from the uh, seven teams competing uh, across these uh, European competitions to get it started. I agree, hundred percent. And uh, I guess there's only one thing left to do, huh? Get to the world's most popular hashtag game. Indeed. Indeed. Why not? Who won? Couch or Twitter? And starting things off, Kier Palulu uh, hashtag Pioli out. Uh, says Tonali when his vitamin D levels tank after months in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Voldemort, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So uh, Beto Acevedo has nominated at Pierre Auxilio uh, for who won Calcio Twitter. Um, I'll translate. Milan started 2023 losing 3-0, 1-0, 2-0, and 1-0 against Inter. Then he decided to invest 120 million euros and finally managed to score a goal against Inter, although they still lost 5-1. Zing. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Gillis 15, uh, Milan going into the derby with all those shiny new pieces. (laughs) He really, wow, balls on him, on them, on them. Uh, not necessarily Calcio, but I guess we can maybe make it Calcio because Roberto De Cervi manages Brighton. That's right. Uh, troll football at Troll Football, Brighton and Man United, and it is the uh, Swan there or the Seagull. I think it's a Seagull. Yeah. Uh, is what they are at Brighton Hall. Uh, shitting on the Man United badge. <laughs> oh man! Uh, moving on, Troll Football again. It's uh, EA released uh, FC 24's difficulty ratings. Uh, the new low ratings are Chelsea <laughs> at the bottom, then Man United, then semi-pro, then professional, world-class, and legendary. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> when you play, when you play, what level do you play? I, I got, I, I'm up to world-class. I, I usually start. Playing. I usually start at Chelsea and work my way up uh, from Man United up. But yeah, usually I go up to like legendary, world-class. I used to. I haven't played in years, but yeah, that's what I <laughs> um, 
All right, Matteo Benetti, who was our guest last week. And again, we can't thank Matteo enough for joining us. Uh, so at Tariq Pagna, uh, said a lot of talk about Newcastle facing a tough ask in Champions League opener away in Milan. I would argue the financial power of the Premier League is such now that Brentford at the weekend tougher. Be great for football world if it was different. Matteo saying Milan can reach all the Champions League semifinals they want, but until they prove they can do it against Thomas Frank in a wet and windy night in Brentford, it's all for nothing. <laughs> Agreed. 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 Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Saturnion, it's uh, Tonali in midfield scene. Ruben Loftus-Cheek taking his spot at Milan. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> he just killed the guys laughing at him. Uh, is that it? That's it. That's all. Is, got, he, right? is yeah. this guy okay? I don't know if he's okay. I think he's dead. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't want to watch the whole thing. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't know if we have a winner here. I mean, these are, you know, we got to reach out to Cal to Twitter and say, step up your game. I'm going to go with uh, Kier Palulu. I'm with you. I'm with you. Short week, but uh, yeah. All right. Hot impersonation of uh, Tonali here. So, (laughs) hey, Cal to Twitter, step your game up. That's right. This was probably one of the uh, weakest batches of entries. So. For sure. Uh, I will uh, go ahead and post that while you talk to the people. People, how are we doing? Uh, yeah, no, obviously the big game this uh, big games this weekend and, and yesterday, but uh, tomorrow we got some uh, big Champions League games that should be entertaining to say the least. Uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, Napoli and Inter can do, but uh, fully expect both those teams to show up as we said. Uh, but yeah, uh, make sure if you uh, haven't done so yet and you're on YouTube. Follow us, subscribe, like, and leave comments on the videos. We much appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, don't forget to hashtag the Who Won Couch on Twitter and send us your uh, hot couch takes so we can uh, have a good laugh at the end of our podcast every week. It's uh, yeah, but keep it fun and keep it clean and don't be a dick. That's all we ask. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, don't be offensive. Um, you know, just kind of peeking ahead to uh, next week's fixtures. Nothing here that really jumps off the page. We're gonna. We're going to get a good feel for Lecce's title credentials here um, coming up in – actually, that's coming up in midweek on uh, September 26th when they travel to play Juventus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the weekend's concerned, um, you know, the Bologna-Napoli game is going to be pretty intriguing uh, on that Sunday, um, you know, for starters. Uh, Fiorentina traveling to Udinese three days after having played it. That's not a good draw for them three days after playing conference league. And can Milan validate things? Uh, Can they back a good performance, stack a good performance against Newcastle with a win over Verona? Um, Those would be the games that probably have my curiosity. And I would say watch Lazio Monza. Uh, Do not underestimate Monza. Monza can play ball. So uh, Lazio Lazio pay attention if if you're watching. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City A Sit Town, uh, where we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you can't catch us on the YouTube channel here, that uh, but you have access to podcasts, those are two channels you can find us: Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're there too. Anywhere where there's podcasts, there's City A Sit Down. So check it out. Um, you can find me at FTC underscore twenty one. You can find Richard at R underscore K H A R M A N in the Twitter or X space space or machine or whatever you want to call it. Who knows? Um, uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at city. I sit down all one word. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook as well. 
Uh, so we're in the social media spaces, questions, comments, uh, topics for future podcasts that you want us to cover. Uh, we're happy to cover it for you. So um, that is it, that is it. Richard. It is. Chat, you guys are excellent. Yes, God, you guys are awesome. Reno, there's 34 games left. <laughs> Let's bump the brakes, big guy. <laughs> so uh, we got a long, long way to go. We got almost eight months left in this. It's 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 still it's still going to be a hell of a ride. So, uh, but we're learning some things about these teams. We're going to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, podcast with the IFTB guys would be nice. Um, is it too early to crown uh, inter uh, champions? I think it is. Right? I love how you just passed. Thirty-four on games that. left. Thirty-four <laughs> games left. So yeah. I love how you just passed on that that comment from Armenian interista. He's a good guy. <laughs> Welcome, Armenia football. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Pod, podcast with the IFTV guys would be nice. Um, right on. Maybe. I, I concur. I concur. Yeah. Let's yeah. get the Calcio going, boys. Calcio. Calcio around the, around the globe. You know, hey, shout out to all the Calcio heads uh, who do podcasts throughout uh, North America and in the English-speaking world. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a, this is an Italian game, but we all – you know, try to promote the game as best we can. Uh, you know, these guys, you know, the Napoli rant guys, the Couchy guys up north. I mean, so many good podcasts around. Couchy Reno, I see you as well. With the Juventus take, uh, our friends, all UV cast up north. There's so many people, so many podcasts doing Couchy, even Genoa, and, and I think even Lecce's got one springing up too. So, yeah, it's so much. You got to support all these guys. Well, all we're trying to do is support Couchy. And so, anyway, we can grow the game. Uh, not only just uh, the Italian side, but all around the world, we're going to try to do our best to do it, right? So, Indeed, indeed. So uh, we will be back at this time next Tuesday night. That sounds good to me. We'll have some midweek Serie A to have to cover uh, next week. So that'll be interesting, too, in addition to the weekend's matches and uh, everything else going on. It's it's starting to come thick and fast. So um, uh, be ready and be back with us here next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, live on our YouTube channel. I uh, want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.